Welcome to episode 101 of In The Move The Podcast. I'm Callum Reid of UltimateAddict.com. And I'm a very mournful Peter Shepherd of In The Move The Blog, the blog UK, as Frank Lampard is leaving Chelsea. Oh yes, to join... Somewhere, well, somewhere else. <laughs> for an easy life, <laughs> let's face it, okay. in America. Well, prob- probably America, but um, we'll see. Going, yeah. going to join David Villa. I mean, I was, I was my dad doesn't really know who he is. I was, I was saying like, dad, he's literally won everything. He's won the <laughs> he's won the cup at his last four clubs. He's won the Champions League. He's won the, the World Club Championship. He's won La Liga. He's won uh, the Europeans and the World Cup with Spain. He has won the lot. He's Spain's all time He's Spain's all time top goal scorer. He can go and have three years in America. <laughs> he's exactly. done it all. He has, like Woody Allen. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully not quite that much. <laughs> if you believe the rumours. If you doubt them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Um, I was just thinking like how weird it would be if we had actually done what we did before the recording and actually recorded it and what? talked about mortgages yeah, for my, ten minutes. Talked talk about my, my options for ha- between house versus flat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cow was enthralled, let me tell you. <laughs> well, it's like when I go on Stitcher, I can see the average amount of seconds or minutes somebody has listened to the podcast for. Really? When they've played it. And some of them, you know, they've listened to a good hour and they've turned it off. And I'm thinking, well, why have they done that if they've listened to an hour of it? Yeah, it's because they've skipped over this bit where we talk about football. Yeah, and then some is like, they've turned uh, off after two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, and the end where we horn over um, randomly, random people who've been in films that week. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Any other sports news? Do you want to talk about tennis or really what about don't. that? What about that Magaratha just lighting up the tennis circuit? Yeah, she's um she's interesting. I prefer um Bouchard. She was like five love up against her Kerber in seventeen minutes at the weekend. God, I mean Kerber's a top ten player and has been for two years. It was, in, it was literally, if she plays like that, she wins the tournament. It, it, it's one of those jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got nothing about football, the World Cup. Do you think we should do something for the World Cup next week? Just, en- just of... end on Samba music. Or, ju- or Junkie XL, because he is a film composer now. <laughs> Who is? <laughs> J- Junkie XL, he did that, um, you know, that Elvis tune. Remix of that Elvis tune they did for the two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, a little less conversation. Yeah, he he did a he did a film he did a score for something we watched uh, the other week, like about a month or two ago. Well, very, that could be any number of things, couldn't it? it? Fe- well, it was a very. Ge- I'll, I'll get it up for you. Don't worry. Uh, oh God, for I don't like flashback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh God, they definitely have turned off now. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> made it past two and a half minutes. <laughs> Again, Friday night flashback. Stop it! <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, uh, Junkie XL has composed films. He's done. Um, uh, he's contributed to a lot of things, uh, including The Dark Knight Rises. He's mates with Hans Zimmer, aren't we all? 
but he did the score for Divergence, which is why, which is why what we uh, talked about recently. Okay, I will catch up with that. Mm. I'm actually the Grand Budapest Hotel just came out, so mm. I will catch up with that. Does I've missed a lot of things I would have seen ordinarily, but okay, because next month it is the end of the six months, so we have got our half year award next month. Um, uh, really? Our, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, guess I, was, I was depressing myself by looking at them, but I was actually thinking. So at the end of the year, are we doing our half decade awards? Because it is 2014. Is 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. That is five years since the decade. We could do, yeah. Because yeah. there are there are films from before mm. the podcast that we didn't oh, mention. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and also because we usually hold off on our year awards until February-ish. So, something for the end of December. A Christmas present for everyone. Indeed. Um, that's looking ahead. Hearing me yap on about, about Samsara again. And the Well Digger's Daughter again. <laughs> Actually, Pirates 4 was on the other day, and I still haven't seen them, because the, the lead girl from uh, Well Digger's Daughter is the like, siren. The mermaid, yeah. yeah. I've still got to see that, but I can't go through 2,040 minutes or however bloody long it is. It's, I actually think it's better than the second and the third one. Again, not saying much. Whatever that means, yeah. Okay. All right, so this week's news, there's only one bit of news this mm-hmm. week. And it's just a topical thing that I thought might lead to a conversation. But right. Ken Loach was interviewed yeah. at Cannes. And he said, this is a quote, yes. By and large, reviewers reflect their own perception through their hostility. And he said the answer is to sack critics and get ordinary people in who are experienced and no life. No. Uh, because like, well, is it, yeah, we're the wrong you... people to have a, a proper, you know. Wait, wait, so what was that quote again? This, but... Yeah, the it reflects uh, the, it reflects hostility. hostility. Yeah, the hostility reflect. Sorry, what reflects the hostility again? What's the quote? They're on perceptions uh, or preconceptions. Perceptions. Perceptions. Yeah. How you perceive something reflects your hostility. I would rather through ho- through hostility. I was going to say the, the hostility reflects your uh, perceptions, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, but you can have a perception and not necessarily be hostile. I think it's just because he pr- he's a provocateur in the um, uh, subjects that he chooses to uh, repeatedly take on. It's the old saying at dinner party: "Don't talk religion or politics." So what does Ken Loach do? He makes films about politics over and over <laughs> and over again. So <laughs> exactly, and he said something like, "Working class people um, are undervalued or they're under." estimated in terms of what they can um, say about films because of their experience but it's a different thing having experienced things I think than looking at film in a different way and that's not the role of critics is not to say their life story or whatever. It's it's the equivalent of uh, it's the sort of the opposite equivalent of of saying uh, don't let a review don't let um, uh, a film snob reviewer review an Adam Sandler film or a Michael Bay film because that's not because um, that, that that's not who it's aimed at. I mean, Ken Loach basically wants to um, Ken Loach's films traditionally, at their best slash worst, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Basically, have him having two sets of people arguing over a general concept that is that is assumed to be right, and it happens in um, with the uh, in 
is it bread and roses the Spanish Civil War and it happens in the wind that shakes the barley and it's the same sort of thing that happens in A Hunger which isn't uh, one of his films but it's it's uh, it's a problem with that one when you've got two people who are having an argument about the best way to go about this political position that we, we are just assuming is obviously correct which it ne- not, isn't necessarily yeah <laughs> it's I- it's problematic and that's why you get the that's why he gets the res- the responses that he does and it's not bec- it's not because of perception it's because they it's because they are perceiving that that might not actually be 100% gospel that what you're talking about mate yeah i think my name is joe is my favorite of his just because it isn't like that it's mm. um it's more a character study uh about an alcoholic and yes. so yeah and it's got the social value there as well yeah um but ken Loach got a film out next week by the way yeah, or oh, this week but I'll, I'm seeing it next week anyway, ah, but. whatever <laughs> but just to go back on the role of critics mm. basically people might think that critics are just look up from their pedestal and think oh I know everything mm. but the reason we can't have um, kind of people who are experienced in other stuff like community workers reviewing films or that kind of thing mm. is that they've got no s- standard of excellence and that the role of the critic really is to maintain some kind of standard otherwise there is nothing to compare anything to I wouldn't necessarily, oh yeah you, I think you've found your way to it at the end there, I don't think it's necessarily the standard of excellence, I think um, the problem uh, Barry Norman said something on the lines of the differences that I've seen that, that the average reviewer in the co- in the course of his career will see at least ten thousand films. So you've just got more to compare it. You've got a you've got a wider uh, pool of, of of things that you are going to uh, com- compare it with. Yeah, and you can see where other films have done similar things better and worse. Yeah. So if you go, oh wow, this is like Toad's Maze Balls. <laughs> you know, yeah, I've seen it in that film, that film, that film, that film. Like, yeah. like what was the prime example? Uh, the Hunger Games. Now, mm. uh, some people are saying, okay, fine, I've seen Battle Royale, I've seen The Running Man, I- I've seen this done before. Uh, or, or you could use all of that and say, this is why I think it, Hunger Games is actually good, because it's building on that. Well, not many people might have made that argument, but some people could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at least you can make, you can, you have that frame of reference. That's the phrase I was looking for. That you have the frame of reference to be able to um, uh, make, make a better point. Yeah, and people who are maybe specific in certain areas, say like, again, if you're a community worker mm. and you recognise things about films that are good, there are also other elements of films that aren't going to be like that. So mm. somebody like that might like a Ken Loach film because he speaks to that type of person. Yeah. But I don't think critics aren't coming from a specific area or background like critics, critics. Wise, any film critic more... is passionate about film. Yeah, and I know some people might say, "What about the likes of that um, Armand White or whatever?" But you don't do that job unless you are passionate about film. And uh, this, as opposed to what Mister Lutz Lo- seems to be suggesting, that you just be passionate about the subject, and it's different. Yeah. Or if you've been experienced, or if you've yeah. gone through stuff in life, it's well, like you just yeah. you don't. Yeah, I mean. Mm. Mm. Anyway, speaking anyway. of can, <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're nice gonna, segue there. Yeah, we're going to be reviewing today um, a film which won the Camera Door at the Palm Film at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, which is the award for the best debut across the uh, uh, various uh, uh, ca- uh, competitions. Um, I know, I now know why you want to speak about this. No, it's not. No, it's not just. <laughs> but yeah, I want to speak. Yeah, and so if if we. If you look back through the past winners of this, it is a very interesting list of films. Uh, and I want to take it from about... Two, so we're going to talk about this before we do any of the, the films from this week. Uh, yeah. So I want to take it from 2000 um, with a film I don't think you've seen, but I think is really worth mentioning, which is called A Time for Drunken Horses. I have not seen it. Which is by Bachman Gobadi. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and these films are... Uh, what's the word I would use? Um... Uh, they're all uh, Persian films, so they're either like uh, to do with Kurdish or Iran, Iraq, that sort of area. I think he's more famous for Turtles Can Fly, which was a big name film probably about ten years ago. Um, had a very good performance in there. From he clicks the Wikipedia page and it comes up and says her name being Avaz Latif. I actually nominate her. <laughs> I've forgotten it's her got, name. It's got a very good reputation that film. Yeah, I see t- it pop up on a lot of lists. Yeah, and uh, uh, a time for drunken horses was, I believe, submitted for the Oscars as well. It's it's a very good film and um, he's uh, he's a very interesting filmmaker uh, and he's gone on to be an interesting filmmaker as well. Um, Atanajuat, that's another one uh, that was um, submitted for. Um, the foreign language this time by Canada because it's about uh, Inuit people. Yeah, Eskimos to you and me, <laughs> <laughs> to the average Joe. Yeah, and you know what? I actually really don't like this film, <laughs> <laughs> but it has a very good reputation. So um, some people might be interested in it. It was just um, I had character issues, which I usually do. It's um, this is it's got to be a debut, right? Is this the yeah. rule? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, for example, um, the uh, the last year. Uh, Selfish Giant wasn't uh, possible. It, yeah, because of the Arbor. Yeah, but yeah. something like uh, Bend, which are uh, the uh, the Flora Lau film that I saw in uh, London with the Chris Doyle shot, that was. Mm. Uh, anyway, so obviously now I get to talk about Reconstruction, or we get to talk about Reconstruction. Yeah, which I have shockingly seen. I know. <laughs> and as at your well, not request, but recommendation. Yeah, uh, it's a. It, I really liked it actually. It's um, so stylish. It's... it's very stylish, yeah. And uh, Nikolai Lee Cass is really, really good in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this is Maria Bonavi. <laughs> Maria Bonavi again. <laughs> Friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but what I really like about Christopher Bow, aside from aside from the over one car white influence. Um, is that he makes in his other films as well? He makes uh, metaphors a physical reality for his characters. So in in Reconstruction, he meets a uh, he meets a girl uh, he meets the girl of his dreams and his life turns you life you meet the girl of his dreams your life turns upside down. He meets the girl of his dreams his life turns upside down. So he his flat doesn't exist anymore. Nobody remembers him anymore. He's just becoming completely. He's just uh, it's just been that sort of shift for him. And it's about uh, identity. Yeah, it's. Mm. Uh, and I re- when you watch it again, if you, if you go into the rewatches, the stuff with the husband, where it's actually him, it, could, it, it, it is this all coming from his mind, him playing it out, what could possibly be going on with his wife. Really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, okay, next one. 
All My Treasure. Have you seen this? No, but it's got uh, the, the woman from the band's visit. I can't this believe This is the um, Israeli yes. film. Yeah, I can't, but I'm going to have to click on it because it's stupid that I can't remember her name. Um, uh, Ronnie Elkabetz. Yes, she's a really, really good actress. This is, I think it's online. I do want to see it. It has been on a to see list for a while. But you've seen Me and You and Everyone We Know, I think. I have. I, I really liked it. It's I nice. haven't. Oh, wow. Uh, well, it's it's one of these where I think you might find it a little bit too quirky, right. hipstery. Mm. I don't know if it would count as hipster, but it's definitely quirky. Yeah. So it's an acquired taste, and it's actually in my top ten for 2005. Nice. Uh, I really like the woman, Miranda July, who she writes it, she directs it, I think acts in it. I think she scores it as well. She did a lot of it, I remember. She had yeah. quite a few awards that year. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely a worthy winner. Mm. Although that tied with the Forsaken Land. Mm. Have you seen this? No, no. We'll skip over that. That one looks then. like a Sri Lankan flag, by the way, next to the guy's name. I'm looking at this on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm... very handy for things like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the next couple, but Hunger 2008. I actually, just mentioned that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we both feel similarly about this, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. We think it looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you would, ne- you will never. Oh, it's a guarantee. You will never ever see a more beautiful film about um, excrement being smeared on walls. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely from a visual artist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a little bit too abstract at times. It's, and um, it doesn't delve into the character enough. No, yeah. Mm. Uh, but but it's, I think it's perfectly all right, you know. Mm. <laughs> I have major intellectual that's problems. A, that's a disagreement there. Well, yeah, well, no, I don't even want to give it the... I, it's one of my worst reviews on the blog. It's just an eight-paragraph like attack on the, my intellectual problems with the film. <laughs> Lack of balance. And <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could say, why should there be balance? But, I mean, whatever. Um, Samson and Delilah, did you see this one? I didn't. Flat no. out, gorgeously shot. Wow. I mean, just amazingly shot. Really. I well- remember people being surprised it didn't get uh, into the shortlist, at least. Yeah, with the, new, with the new rules, possibly, yeah. Um, but it's it kind of... I can see why it didn't, because it is, it is pretty pretty damn depressing. But what I think the beginning of this film does is it's, it's basically boy meets girl, and then they get, uh, it, it takes it from there. Um, but... It uh it shows boredom without being boring. It shows, it shows like a, a, a lad and a girl. Uh, it shows it shows sort of repetitive stuff like the uh the, the band continuously playing the same crappy tunes, rehearsing, or or all in this like small little uh uh Australian village, Aboriginal village. Um, and so it shows how boring that life is for them and how they've got to go and how they want to escape this. But yeah, it's just the regularity of it. Yeah, but it's still really interesting while they're doing that, and it actually gets less interesting once it takes them away from there. Okay. But it, it, it's unlike Beast of the Southern Wild, which also <laughs> I want to say talk about Las Hacasias first because someone once asked me, "Do you even do you like any slow films, Pete?" <laughs> this is true. You, this is true. Yeah, and I, the the example I gave to him was I like Ceylon. So, um, and um, Taste of Cherry as well. Yeah, that's quite like good. That. Yeah, yeah. And, and this one, it, this is just it's just basically a, a guy giving a lift to um, uh, a pregnant woman and a and a child, and they're just sat in the uh, and they hardly say anything. And then just most of it is like them in their truck, 
but it's uh, uh the the end is absolutely gorgeous and it's uh it's a beautiful film that i film four i've shown it a few times actually um it's a uh, it's it's a really nice one now it's got a lovely poster i'm looking at it now oh it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's very sweet it's a very very sweet film and uh, next it's, it's one... in my top 10 for that year oh wow mm. It's, well, I haven't seen enough Argentinian films. Mm. I'm quite excited about that Sifron um, film, mm. Ricardo Darín, that yes. was at Cannes. Yeah. Because people Any have been Durin. raving about it. Any Darín film is worth worth a look. Yeah. Uh, next, well, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Beast of the Southern Wild, which we have talked about a lot on the podcast. It's probably the, uh, one of our biggest disparities ever. It's one of Pete's lit least favourite films ever yeah and it's, it's one of your favourite one of your favourite films of that year or I is... think it's down to five okay. it's down to number five now but, but still yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I can't wait to see what he does next <laughs> no I actually could, no, think, yeah, you, I think he... she think you've got a ch- chance of liking something he does I yeah. don't oh, think yeah. it's all going to be like this no no you're not going to you're not going to stick with that style really are you mm. Uh, next we have Elo Elo, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. and um, Party Girl is was this year's winner. <laughs> and actually, interestingly, I heard that Nicole Garcia, mm-hmm. um, the director, was on the jury of the um, the Camerador jury, mm-hmm. and she was the president of it. And she basically said about this other film, everybody else wanted this other film, and she was like, "Over my dead body, is that going to win?" Therefore, Party Girl was like the consensus pick. Right, the, uh, the so sort of, they're one that they didn't mind, and she she'd accept. Yeah. So there you go. Oh. It's not always a democracy, people. Oh yeah, po- no politics in film festivals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Preconceptions. Yes. Yeah, so this week we are doing Elo Elo, as, as you all know. We're also doing Maleficent. For some reason, it's just called me uh, finally getting around to seeing it. We're doing uh, Two yeah. Lives, and we're also doing uh, a blockbuster Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, which uh, I have to do the plot of, so that should be interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, right. So preconceptions for Elo Elo. Very few, other than that, it won't. I I because it won the camera door. I I, I was quite hopeful for it because that's the one of the um as we just spoken about it's the one of the ones that can that i actually uh like the choices of or find interesting whereas uh that with the rest of them it's not necessarily the case so i knew it was uh singapore i knew it was about a uh, uh a maid who wins over slowly wins over a child that she's looking after uh, yeah but but that was about it yeah i knew the plot i knew it was well respected Mm. I knew it was Singapore's entry for the foreign language this year, mm-hmm. but gone. Uh, so mm. I was kind of expecting it to be good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Maleficent? Maleficent, which I didn't see. <gasps> I'm ashamed to say. Sorry, Angie. Uh, it's disgraceful. Uh, <laughs> what? It's disgraceful. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> Uh, my preconception was that it was... I knew that it was directed by somebody who hasn't done a film before. Right. Which was worrying. Mm. I thought it looked a bit too much like Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm, exactly. However, she... 
the very nature of one of the most famous actresses on the planet playing a Disney villain is in itself, you know, the essence of camp. Mm. So <laughs> I was, I would have hoped if any, like if nothing else, that she would be able to uh, wrangle some kind of higher wagon esque moments. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know Quite who hangers. else was in it. I didn't know who else was in it. No. Um, yeah, my main preconception was Snow White and Huntsman because I got that vibe from the trailer. Mm. Uh, just from the battle scenes uh, uh, that they were showing. And it looked a little bit silly with some of the uh, special effects that were on show. That was my... Uh, but, uh, and did and, you like and a, pre- a, a preconception was I was worried... Uh, or not worried. I was sceptical as to how they were going to get you to be on the side of the bad, the bad guy. Okay. That was preconception. Angelina... Oh, d- does anyone remember Sleeping Beauty? Because I don't remember it properly. Not... Do uh, I just remember liking it a lot as a child. I don't remember specifics. Uh-huh. I just remember goodwill towards it. Um, Angie, um, she's fine. She's not, she's not one of my favourite actresses. Um, but um, I, I, don't think, I don't think she's without talent. Yeah. Um, I think she can be really, really, really good. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, I think like A Mighty Heart, yeah. um, Gia on TV. Yeah. Mm. I really like Girl Interrupted, but I know you don't. Well, no, I like the film a lot. And yeah, I like, no, I mean, I like yeah. her in it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not as good as Winona, but... Like. No, few things are. <laughs> uh, two Lives, um, knew it was Germany submission to the Oscars, uh, knew it had live in it. <laughs> That was about it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it as well. Mm. I knew it was something to do with the war, or a war at some mm. point, which well, doesn't really mean anything. No. So, um, yeah. I think I knew Suzanne Cola was in it, and uh, she was... Julianne Cola. Julianne Cola. Oh, it's Suzanne Lothar. I'm getting my German <laughs> actresses of that age mixed up. Julianne Cola. Um, yeah, she was in um, uh, Amy and Jaguar. And she was also in Nowhere in Africa, which won for a foreign language in 2002. Um, and she was great in Downfall. Yeah, as well. that's why people know her, Downfall. because. Um, yeah. mm. But she was uh, very respected before that. And mm. um, Okay, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Wasn't in love with the trailer. Yeah, me neither. Um, but Doug Lyman, I do like The Firstborn, and I do like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um... So, Go? Yes, yes. Yeah, I think Go is probably the best of the three, actually. Yeah. Um, but then again, that's got Sarah Polly, so obviously. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that fair game that he did recently? Because I didn't. The Naomi Sean Penn one. I did see the Naomi Sean Penn one. I also saw the Richard Gere, uh, Cindy Crawford one from 1995. <laughs> it, <laughs> Which was is it no... a flat-out remake, or no, you just make no, comparisons? No, it was like a Stephen Baldwin thriller, which basically uh, 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 people only ever watched it because if you're like 15 years old and uh, you like women, Crawford, because Cindy yeah. Crawford had a few sex scenes, that was it. <laughs> it was a terrible film. <laughs> That's very like fair game. I've forgotten fair game existed, to be perfect. Okay. Um, what about Tom? Uh, Tom, I like. I like him. Um, um, as a, as a performer and as a as a, a celebrity. Um. Uh, I think he uh, 
handles his celebrity about as well as you, as you can, uh, and it's always I have a lot of goodwill towards him because of how um, like he'll, he's, he'll like stand outside for two hours like signing autographs. He's got he's he's not a he's not a he's a people person. Yes. Mm. Um. Yeah, I thought this looked a little bit too much like Transformers mm. in the trailer. Mm. Uh, Tom Cruise. I actually think he's. He's been making decent decisions lately. I, I had some time for Oblivion, mm. and I really liked Mission Impossible 4. Right. So I was quite happy with his choices. So I, I'm not writing this off, no. uh, especially Emily Blunt I really like, mm. apart from in The Young Victoria, which ironically... Is the thing prob- that made me not hate her. <laughs> she's probably sixth to Helen Mirren that year, actually. So Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Emily, but I used to hate her, like, flat out, more than Kira, detest. More than, I just could not stand her, couldn't even stand to look at her. Um, and then uh, a few films happened, and she she began to turn on me. I think The Young Victoria was, like, the first one where I sort of, like, stopped feeling really aggressively hostile towards her. <laughs> <laughs> but now I can now I can watch her, it's fine, she's, um, she's okay. But I don't dislike her at all now. A quick shout out to Natalie Press as well. Oh my god! My Summer of Love, oh really, really god. great in Brilliant. that film. Brilliant. That and is, yeah. Sadly, did not get a career worthy of that. No, Yorkshire action, Yorkshire, Yorkshire accents for the win in that <laughs> film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I was kind of on the fence about this one. Mm. All right. Elo, mm-hmm. elo, elo, elo. This is you. Yes. Okay, so this is about a family living in Singapore and um, the dad's got an office job, the mother is pregnant with her second child, they've got a, I would say, nine or ten year old son. Ish. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, they hire a maid uh, to look after him because the mother's pregnant and they're quite well off-ish. Mm. Um, and she's asked to, am I allowed to disclose about the the woman's family situation, the yeah. maid's family situation. Yeah. yeah. She has got a son that she's she hasn't abandoned because she's working to pay for him. Mm. Um, but she's got a, a baby at home. Mm. And um, the maid doesn't... The boy doesn't take too kindly to the maid, um, but eventually they, they develop a relationship which threatens the family and other things happen. Mm. Shenanigans into you. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, shenanigans with a bicycle and uh, in a, in a school toilet. God. <laughs> um. First of all, I don't think the person playing the maid mm. could be any better cast. No. I think really, really good, really believable in the role. Yeah. No. Um. What I would say is, it's uh, she shows a sort of wide-eyed naivety yeah uh which comes across more as the, as the character than an actress say out of her depth yeah it, it's like it's like she's naturally submissive anyway mm. it's like somebody that you'd forget if you walk past in the street but yeah. who doesn't really mind being forgotten doesn't want to stand out mm. very happy just going about a business and knowing that she's making money and going to get somewhere someday mm. Mm. I think um, the lad. I mean, 
What a little shit. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You're not very tolerable of these No, kids. I mean, it's just, I mean, he's just... It's, the first he, thing he, he, does, he has his moments. It, no, he's just a complete little <laughs> bastard. And it's like, he's just, he's horrendous to his parents. The first time he goes out with the maid, uh, he gets, he tries to get her arrested by getting, by like, plate places so she gets uh, shoplifted. He'll like, punch her, run off. All this, sort of, all this sort of stuff kicks off on anyone. He's just a oh. When he got hit by the car, I was pleased. <laughs> I think when anything, anything bad happens to him, it's like yes, <clears throat> have it in your face. Yeah, it's like with the car thing though. I I thought that was a little bit too contrived. Mm. I felt that the thing in the toilet to go back to that was a little bit too much. Mm. Um, it's almost as like the film doesn't really have much drama it's a dramatic concept like it's it's a serious story but at the same time it doesn't have a lot of dramatic moments it's, very so it's, it's like i felt with the end of the kid with a bike actually mm. that it needed to have that just to make it feel less understated yeah, yeah the prob the problem is the the stuff you described about the maid's uh, backstory is literally that there's hardly any more to it and it really doesn't flesh out. It, it not only does it not flesh out that backstory, it doesn't really uh, then go into uh, what that effect that has on her character going forward. So there's a lot of it, it skated over slash missed opportunities uh, with that side of things. And then yeah. when, when she is really the most slash only really hundred percent sympathetic character. You could argue the dad uh, more than the mother, I suppose. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, for the f- yeah for the first three quarters, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so uh, then on, on, so on the other side, when you've got the, you, it's almost as if it's more to do with the backdrop, and so because this is set during a, a recession in the late uh, late nineties. Yeah. Um, and I think it's um, timely, obviously. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's more to do with that, and it, it's it comes down to that um, uh, critic that criticism of films where it's just uh, which I don't think is necessarily valid, where it's just like, it's just like um, first world problems, if you will. We got a load of people like downsizing. It's like this is forty. Oh no, we've got we've got actually just going to go to a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house rather than the million dollar house. So my life's over. Yeah, um, there is a moment where. They lose a lot of money, mm. and I know how much that is because mm. I we work in Singapore dollars yeah. at work, mm. and it's like nearly fifty thousand mm. quid there. Mm. And you're thinking, well, that's just absolute lunacy. Mm. Mm. That it's just little things like that. I feel like some the film doesn't really know at times who it wants to focus on. It's it's sort of like. It's with the maid at the beginning, but you're right. There isn't enough about this the baby she's got. There isn't enough about what's happening back at her family, mm. and it's the film suddenly decides it wants to care about the mother character yeah. in the last fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah, and she's good. She, she acts it well, yeah. But she's but for too long she she's too closed off and emotionally frigid for too long. But and it, it's a fairly um, cartoonish slash 2D um, portrayal of the dynamics, I think. Bossy. Yeah, yeah. Bossy, bossy, shrew, uh, the hypocr- uh, 
the hypocrisy that's going on the the um uh where she um she gives her load of clothes and then criticizes her for wearing them all this sort of stuff it's it's too um i think it's too superficial and it doesn't get into the heart of the matter really and then it wants to get into the heart of the matter and i do think there are some tender moments towards the end between them as a couple but i don't yeah. care about them enough they they could be really quite moving if you care if you genuinely care about the characters yeah. Um, but I don't. But I don't genuinely care about the characters. I certainly don't care about anything that happens to the kid because they make because they set him up so appallingly to begin with. Um, which then yeah. sort of bleeds into the the maid. It's just like, yeah, just be glad you're rid of these um, people. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a strange one because I do like it. I do like the film. It's watchable. <laughs> yeah, but I, I it is just too much of it is half baked. Yeah. It needs needs just more nuance here and there, and um, I think like it could be a lot cheesier. I'm glad that it's not too cheesy. Yeah. Um, parts of it feel quite like Corrida-ish mm. with the um, with the son, and I think there's like a nice moment between the um the father and the maid near the end. Yeah, there's a few. I mean. Uh, there's a f- there's a few of those where you sort of like realise the um, who's in charge, <laughs> but um, with the whole pregnancy, uh, they, they they don't they don't they try and go at the end with that, and I don't think they um I don't think it I don't think it they've done the with the groundwork to have that pay off um the way they I want think it what to. the I think what they may be saying is that when they had the son, they were in a much better position financially. They spoiled the son maybe a little bit too much. Where in this case, they're going to have a daughter and mm. they're not going to be in the same position. They're not going to be able to do that. And things they're are going to have to change somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Which is all right. It's mm. not great, but mm. it's something. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. Low B. I'm going to go... It's a three-star film. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm gonna go with a five. I think I think it's I think it's an average uh, average one for the genre. No. Right. So Maleficent. Angie. Much like Angelina, I'm gonna fly solo with this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Did I say that? Oh, Is that a reference to just carrying the film or no? No. Maleficent fly. No, Maleficent flies. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Maleficent begins as the uh, oh-so-handy voiceover that won't ever be dropped uh, um. informs us that there is a, a there are two worlds, one uh, with uh, normal people like you and I, and another full of uh, magical, uh, wondrous creatures, of which the young Maleficent is one of them. Uh, the younger version of uh, Angelina Jolie is played by Vivian Jolie-Pitt. Who? Yeah. Think of the surname Jolie Pitt. Her daughter. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Maleficent is a fairy who fly who flies around. She's the strongest of the fairies, and uh, she uh, strikes up a relationship with a boy who who wanders his way into their realm one day. Uh, cut to ten years later when they're teenagers and horny, and uh, <laughs> and uh, doing the sort of things that they do. 
he runs off uh, and in a not at all skated over uh, plot contrivance just purely because he's ambitious runs off and then because he's ambitious turns back years later as Shalto Copley um, oh no <laughs> no <laughs> oh my god I feel a bit less guilty now yeah. <laughs> turns up later as Shalto Copley who is uh, one of the king's lackeys the king wants to uh, conquer the uh, uh, magical kingdom uh, Maleficent is now Angelina Jolie and she's just basically uh, summoning a load of uh, tree creatures uh, as if she's Russell Crowe uh, braving off the floods and is she killing babies as well she, she wants her son back um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's smashing plates. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not Sissy Spacek in, uh, in the bedroom. Um, and uh, after she uh, rebuffs the king, he's about to die. He wants revenge, and Shelto Copley and he, uh, goes into and he abuses his former relationship, and rather than killing her, cuts off her wings, causing Maleficent to curse his baby when he becomes king with a curse of Disney-esque renown. And is this worth renown in the realm of Disney's long history? Um, It's a decent film. I'll get that out straight away. Okay. And I had... If I'd have paid... Well, I have paid for it technically because I've got the cinema card. If I'd have paid for it, I wouldn't have complained afterwards. Okay. Equally, I don't think it's great. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, uh, uneven things. Like when she, so suddenly after she, after she gets, she, she turns evil uh, in inverted commas and um, uh, becomes like the, the ruler of her little, um, her, her side of the wall. And uh, then suddenly it's like bang, complete change. And uh, Jolly's going for the camp, she's going for the delicious. And it's too much, too jarring. It's, oh. it's, it's too out of nowhere. It's got the, um, uh, but don't get me wrong, she's quite fun when she does it, but she, she's actually at her best in this film when she's trying to be more real, and that's the whole point of, uh, what they're doing with this reimagining of the story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that she basically curses the baby, uh, to be, uh, fall into deep sleep if she pricks her finger, um, before her 16th birthday, and then it gets like, um, it shows, um, her like, uh, gleefully watching over the child uh, before this happens, uh, enjoying the fact she's cursed her, and uh, she's cursed her to end up looking like Elle Fanning. Which is not a curse. Mm. Well, no, <laughs> no, it's not a curse, no. <laughs> um, so is she an anti-heroine? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, and it does, a, it does do a better, a better job than I thought it would do in making you feel sympathy, uh, for her. Not really because of the cutting of, off of the wings and, because for the first, like, third of it, it's really quite, uh, cut and dried and, um, uh, to, it's just too, it's, uh, it's trying to, trying to force it too much. The, the humans are too, it's too black and white. The humans are too, too completely selfish gits. There's not enough to underpin that um, in terms of like why Copley suddenly, they just say, oh, he's ambitious, bang, that's it. Um, and they're just complete evil shits. Whereas uh, uh, she's just thwarted and wants revenge, wants her son back, wants her wings back, and she wants a mm. can of Red Bull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you uh, tried the Red Bull Zero? No, 
<laughs> Red Bull Zero. Very acceptable, actually, yeah. <laughs> really acceptable whilst dropping a shot of Jägermeister into it. <laughs> yeah, or vodka. <laughs> Either will do. <laughs> Um, but um, the long, but so that that's really actually quite. Nah, but it, it, I think it mines uh, where where it's going with it and that side of it much better with the natural way they take the story after this after that um, rather two dimensional setup. Um, and it allows um, uh, Jolly to actually get her teeth into something and not just when she's screaming uh, screaming her head off, but actually like do a bit of acting which you wouldn't necessarily expect her uh, in this sort of film. Yeah, um, is it? Um... Is it like Snow White and the Huntsman visually? Yes, it's also like Avatar, which he worked on. He's a, he's a two-time Oscar-winning uh, production designer. He's yeah, done, he's done, I knew that. He's yeah. done visual effects as well. It does look like Avatar at times. It does look like Snow White and the Huntsman at times. Um, That's the problem with this. I mean, when you've got someone like that, they're not going to think of in creative ways with the art direction no. necessarily. It looks like the the Hobbit uh, at times. Yeah, the new one. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's all it's all very well and good, uh, but some of the special effects actually does look fake. It just doesn't actually look that good. Um, the cast is really quite. It's it's an interesting cast. You've got like um, uh, three fairies who are raising um, uh, a Sleeping Beauty who are played by uh, Leslie Manville, Imelda Staunton, Imelda Staunton, and Juno Temple. So the two dames of um. The London stage and uh, and Leslie Manville and every, and every <laughs> I was gonna say everyone's favourite stripper, but you know yeah <laughs> what Matt McConaughey <laughs> Channing <laughs> next week yeah uh, sadly though I think that that's uh, the, the the fairies they sort of the, that's where they go for the slapstick it doesn't really work it's 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 another thing that disjoints uh, the tone well that happens in. That happens in Sleeping Beauty, isn't it? Mm. Or is it Cinderella where the fairies are the the funny ones? Bibbity bobbity boo. Is that Cinderella? No, I think so. I can't remember. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't balance out when you're trying to go more more dark. I mean, I mean, it, they don't seem to know whether they want Angelina to be really really soulful or Susan Sarandon and Enchanted. And um, it's um, yeah. Uh, she does much better than Susan Stranton and Janet because they do try and push her uh, in soulful directions at times, and there's just there is a decent arc, and it does end up having that sort of uh, very modern, um, we don't need men to solve our problems type um, uh, mentality. Uh, it is written by a woman. I think she wrote the Lion King. As Good, well. Frozen, the yeah. Frozen style. Yep. Yeah, Frozen also um, uh, Brave. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 in the vein of those in terms of the message it, it's sending you across, and it, it is quite satisfactory um, where they go with it. It's more satisfactory where they go with that than uh, um, Brave. It's it's on the it's 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 like Frozen really, um, and um, I think that sort of that basic part of where they're going where they go with it really carries the film through. I think the. Uh, Really, though, the 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 other side of it is what the sort of the visual effects and um, the sort of like um, the nods to the source material and what have you, or what they're going to try and get people through the door with, and that's what's actually the least interesting thing about it. Well, they've got a lot of people through the door. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if they're going to see a feminist message, mm-hmm. then yeah, 
That's good. Uh, great. Six out of ten. It's decent. Cool. Okay. Uh, Next. Right. The return. The return. <laughs> of the greatest. How long, the greatest how long dramatic actress of the 20th century. And the greatest female director um, that I've seen in terms from what little she's done. Uh, we will later this year, mm. hopefully, mm. fingers crossed, see her directorial return as well. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, this is Liv Ullman. Yes. <laughs> and the film is Zweilieben. Yes, yeah. Ja, jawohl. Natürlich. Uh, also, um, uh, this film is ein... Uh, sorry. <laughs> this film is... Uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah, in, uh, <laughs> this two is, lives is the title. Yeah, two two lives is set uh, following the downfall of not the third uh, the third right this time for uh, uh, Miss Cola, um, but rather the Berlin Wall. <laughs> the Berlin Wall's come down, and uh, uh, the Stasi are being um, slowly uh, e- eased away. And the secrets uh, that have been behind the Iron Curtain for uh, decades uh, find uh, finally find their way coming out. We see a woman. Uh, uh, we see Cola um, uh, is visited by a lawyer who wants to uh, sue uh, the European government and uh, the European Union and um, various countries therein uh, because of the treatment of. Uh, that the Nazis did with uh, children who were the result of uh, relationships between the Nazi soldiers and, and in the occupying ter- territories that they were uh, uh, oppressing. So mm. uh, Liv Ullman uh, w- uh, had a relationship with a... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on a character here, uh, uh, as in literally <laughs> Liv Ullman's character. I mean the character that Liv Ullman is playing in this film. <laughs> I, would, I would never... <laughs> Besmirch <laughs> this lady's virtue in that one. <laughs> sacrilege! Come on. I know it's not like she's Coco Chanel. Um, <laughs> so, sorry. Damn me. Oh, it's also milk, please. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Liv, uh, the character that Liv Ullman is playing in this film had a relationship with a Nazi uh, officer, uh, and uh, the, res- uh, the resulting child was taken to a. Uh, nursery in Germany, and then uh, taken from taken from her child in the most Judy Dench of ways. Curla <laughs> <laughs> is Curla has gone back and found and found Liv Ullman, but shenanigans have already ensued. Yeah, and we can't say any more than that. No, um, because the film. Tries to maintain a balance about that. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious though. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't think it's difficult to tell why Ullman was attracted to this, because I think there are some Bergman-esque notes in this mm. with I... the mother-daughter thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which... And and also the fact that I mean, if if you're them and you're trying to cast a Norwegian woman of that age, there's a, yeah. there's only one you're gonna go for. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, because it is, it's got the autumn sonata mother daughter thing down mm. because there's there's some tense exchanges there and there's a couple of revelations. Um, but it's not got that kind of weight or depth, I don't think. No. And it's more interested in the politics. Yeah. And it's more interested in Julianne, which is the problem with, for with better the film, and worse. Yeah, that is the problem with the film because with what's with the set, the very essence of the setup of the story that they're telling, doing it from her perspective. And doing it in the way, uh, in terms of the time, the, the, the timeline that they choose, the, the the narrative that they use to, sh- they choose to show when, the stuff that they choose to hold back, would give you more investment in the character earlier, and n- leave it less cold for long periods. Because for long periods, it is extraordinarily difficult to care uh, for for a character. Yeah. Mainly because you know where it's heading as well. Yep. Um, the lawyer thing doesn't go anywhere. No, it's and it doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> because if she's on guard, then why would you? Uh, why why would there be a possibility? I I wanted more of uh, the family. I wanted more stuff with the daughter, with the um the husband, mm. with the um uh with the. The best performance in the film, actually, I think, is from the girl yes. that's got about one scene yeah. <laughs> that comes she's back. She's really good. She's really uh, she's good. Tremendous. Nobody could have done that better, I don't no, think. That she, was awesome. In, she inserts emotion into that and makes it moving when it really shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Because they yeah. haven't earned it from, from the story and they haven't earned it from the uh, 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 the characters. and It's 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 just all on the way. She The honesty and... Uh, uh, sweetness that she just puts into it, and desperation. It's a, it's a, it's a remarkable little performance. Yeah, I'd like. To, this is Clara Mansell. Mm. Um, I'd like to see her in other things. Yes. Um, it's. Just, I just felt it was a little bit repetitive. Mm. It was a little bit too formal. Mm. Um, what was good about it, I think, is I did quite like the end. Um, which it's a bit too human stain, but it's got, it's got like an actions have consequences message. Mm. And when it gets into the political specifics near the end, I think it, it does make you wonder about the backstory and what she has gone through. Mm. Um, and it asks questions about how far we go to like preserve secrecy versus family. Mm. And that's and that's quite interesting, but it's I agree that it's difficult to care. I think by that point, it's too little, too late, and uh, by holding all that back, I mean if you put that, if I mean that's the dramatic, um, that I can see why they've chosen that as the dramatic uh, arc that they want to build up to. Yeah, but equally, um, that's uh, that would have so much. You you could. You could go a different direct. You could choose a different dramatic arc within the story of this film. Bergman you, would have chosen and if, a different. Yeah, arc. and if you cho- <laughs> if if you had the sort of uh, Liv Ullman as the, as the center of where you'd go with it, uh, I think yeah. I think you could you could get something just as if not more dramatic, uh, because you'd have more of a build towards it. Uh, yeah, 
and you and, and you and care more about Julianne. Flashback. Yeah, and, and you care more about Julianne in the process because you'd you'd be put more into her quandary uh, over over the years. It'd uh, be a lot more overwrought, but it would be it would be worth it for it, that. It'd be more Naomi Watts uh, in, tw- <laughs> in twenty one grams. Nothing can be that bad. Come on. <laughs> How many um, Naomi Watts references are we going to get in today? <laughs> um, Liv's good. She doesn't have a lot to do. She doesn't have a lot to do, um, but it's not it's not a bad comeback for her. It's it's, it's all right. Frankly, know. it's just nice to see her in something. Yeah, Julianne's good ish. Mm. Mm. Um, I like the every, husband. Everyone's yeah. Mm. I, I don't think anybody, you know, doesn't you know. That's a bad down. job here. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is just a little bit too tepid and half um half baked again. Pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he hasn't that whoever's wrote this hasn't realised the beauty of it. Mm. Or what the what's the most interesting thing about this. Mm. <laughs> and that's why that's probably why that that girl when she comes into it for that one scene, that actually makes such an impact. Mm. Yeah, and it's not like um, something like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a one car wiping here, but I've done it before. It's it's not something like uh, what, what, what Wong will do is he will hold off on a bit from before. He'll tell it pretty much in um, uh, uh, order, but then he'll show you the thing that set it all in motion, and um, uh, the whole point. Of doing that dramatically is that you've you that you then know where they've gone after that. You already know where they. So in watching it, you think this is what made uh, Tony Lung into that, or uh, or uh, whoever into that, depending on which one kind of film you're going on. With this, it doesn't delaying that doesn't have the effect because mm. you're then going, you're then asking to having to rethink. What you're, what you've seen, because it's trying to put a different slant on it, and that would, that, that doesn't uh, have that sort of natural build to it, because you're thinking, well, 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 mm, mm. <laughs> seriously. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit home in a powerful way because it creates, so it, it creates so much doubt in what you've already seen. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm giving this C plus. I didn't like this. I'm giving this uh, two stars, four out of ten. Okay. Okay, so film of the week. Film of the week. <laughs> it's Edge of Tomorrow. I don't think there's a the. Hmm. Which is which bothers me actually. I prefer there to be a the. But anyway, that's by the by. Edge of Tomorrow, this is directed by Doug Lyman. The plot is an alien race has hit Earth. Um and not in, and, and by alien race, he doesn't mean the uh, the uh, scenes from the first uh, Star Wars episode one, the like the pod racing. This is not <laughs> not that kind of alien race. <laughs> no, it's um, aliens have attacked Earth. Um, they're basically caning the military. Uh, Major William Cage. This is Tom Cruise. Uh, he's never seen a day of combat in his life. He basically tries to back out of going to the front, gets sent there into what amounts to a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. He's killed within minutes and thrown into a time loop 
forcing him to live out the same day over and over again. Yeah. And he eventually engages the um, the skill of Emily Blunt, and together they try and find a way to defeat the aliens. Yeah, pretty much. And it's it's an ambitious uh, concept. Maybe the problem, right? <laughs> I, I I quite I I have got a lot of time for the film, mm. but. The film sort of sets itself up for obvious flaws. Um, structurally, it's caught in the position of having to scramble to avoid being tedious yep. and repeat the same thing over and over again. Like how Vantage Point... Did you see Vantage Point? Yeah. That was... See, that was, for me, a lot worse than this because it didn't attempt to play around with that whereas this thankfully does skip things and cut things out that we already know has happened mm. but it's it's still in the position of having to do that and yeah. the editing seems a bit jarring because of that because it's got to be they've got to cut it because otherwise we're just watching the same thing over and over again and there's no you know the interest is going to die yeah. eventually i think the problem with the structure that it that that creates is that basically uh, it's trying to show that um, he's getting to a different, a further point in the, in the day towards success uh, with each one, and uh, they've got to recap that. And so the problem is, at, 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 in some scenes, he's learning information for the first time, uh, but then it doesn't uh, stay with that. And then sometimes it'll he'll like say, "Oh, by the way, I've actually done this about." 40 times and this is the result and you haven't seen that and so it's taking you out of his point of view and yeah. and taking it and putting it into somebody else's and I but think I like I... that scene though I think that scene is actually really good in terms of their relationship that's the point where I actually thought oh you know because it could have showed us that as well like this could have been two and a half hours it probably uh-huh. would have been unbearable by the end because there just would have been too much but I do like that it suddenly springs that upon us um, and you get that dilemma about, well, if we finish this, um, everything stays the same as what when it's finished. Mm. Whereas if we reset this, nothing's essentially harmed. Mm. So I kind of like that idea. Mm. It is very video gamey yeah. in concept. It is basically like... First person shooter. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day meets Halo. Yeah. Or Medal of Honor or whatever. In that you just they've just got to they die, you die, and then you go and try and do it a bit better, and you die, and you go and try and do it a bit better, and you die, and you go and try and do it a bit better. And I think it is to coin to steal one of your phrases. I think it is so half baked. Mm. The concept behind it, it is so wishy washy. It's really, it's just. No, it's not. It isn't half as clever as it thinks it is, and it it requires. It just feels like they've taken a concept and just put put three screenwriters through it and lost it, and lost the point. I don't. Re- I don't think they fully. I don't think they lose it until twenty minutes before the end, mm. when they suddenly decide that the. 
I'm not gonna, I don't want to give too much away, but they mm. suddenly decide that Tom, the people that Tom Cruise, who have hated Tom Cruise's character, are very willing to stand behind him mm. in a way that just doesn't make sense. It's lazy screenwriting. Very, and that doesn't, uh, and and it skips over how all the, all all the sort of information that he uses to uh, coerce that. I mean, like, where's that come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. There are also some inconsistencies with the aliens, I think. I think it's all, like, there's a lot of aliens in water, mm. and then suddenly when the time comes for them to use the water to um, infiltrate somewhere, there's no none of them to be seen. Mm. Yeah. Um, the aliens themselves, I think it's fine. I think visually it's... They've obviously spent... A lot of it on the visuals. Yep. And, and crews. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's. I I admire the concept, and that's why I'm going to give it more goodwill. Mm. But I, I do think that there are a lot of inconsistency in it. Mm. But then I thought of think, well, it's tried up. It's tried to do so much that that makes up for it not being as polished. Yeah. If you see where I'm coming from, mm. so I'm I'm in a bit of a quandary with it. Well, and it's very watchable. Yeah. I thought I found it quite watchable. It is very watchable, and um, if you sh- shut your brain off and just roll with it, mm. it's a very decent film. Um, if you think about it, it doesn't hold up to too much scrutiny. You just think well, seriously, and I really, really don't like the end. No, um, the end, definitely the worst part's the end. It's uh, yeah, it it doesn't what? it doesn't follow it. it it doesn't really follow through. Um, what do you think about Cruz and Blunt? Usually, she has a lot of um, uh, chemistry. With it, with, I don't think there's much here. I think it's more um, uh, trying to. I think it's more trying to uh, explain and show how he would. Um, uh, um, drawn to her, with the, with the repetitiveness. With so you get the same shot of her like, getting up um, in the in the combat in, in the training zone, and yeah. you, you say so I think it tries to show his seduction more through uh, the visuals that they choose rather than showing how they are as a couple. Um, but it's like because he knows her so much more than she knows him, mm. and then that one time where he says that she told him his middle her middle name. Mm. And then she tells him another middle name. Mm. And you think, oh, well, that's because she actually doesn't know him. She's just met him. Mm. And you kind of wouldn't trust people Mm. completely. Mm. Uh, Which is, it's an interesting dynamic to have. Mm. I thought that element of it, the fact that she'd done it before. um, And the idea of the resetting was was really interesting in itself. Um. Mm, it's one of those, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. It is a sort of like sigh. Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't know, I don't know what else we can say about this, really. Uh, how bad Bill Paxton is, isn't it? Who's Bill Paxton? Exactly. Is he the, um, the main sergeant guy? Yeah, you would not believe how charming he was in James Cameron films past. And how charmless he is in this, and just how 
terrible. It's really quite impressive. <laughs> um, the problem is, like, I wouldn't go out and buy a video game like this. Mm. I might buy a video game once they got off the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But the actual gunfire, rapid gunfire of all that stuff wouldn't really interest me. So I preferred the middle section where they were past that once they got that out of the way because it just it does feel like they need to get that out of the way quickly mm. uh, to keep people on board. I don't know if people would go for this in a big way. Like the general audience, yeah. What do you think? Probably. I think it's, I think it's fine, but um, I don't think it's really necessarily something people will be going like, oh my god, oh my godding about. Brendan Gleeson was a surprise. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a. Well, I'm glad he's getting a paycheck. It's like when Noah Noah Taylor as the weird doctor. Do you know who wrote this, by the way? Yeah, Chris McCrory. <laughs> Saw that at the end. That was, uh, that's, that was that was a bigger shock than usual, bigger twist than the usual suspects. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that's what I like. It's like there's interesting things in there. That's why I'm that's why I'm torn. Mm. I think it's a three star film. Yeah. All, all, yeah. The way, all the way down for me. Yep, straight down the middle. Agreed. I'm going to give it a B minus. I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. Okay. Alright, is there anything we can talk about in regard to that? <laughs> right, Edge of Tomorrow, like, time, is it, would you count it as time travel? Time loops, it's more like looper, but not, not as offensive. <laughs> um... It would be, be most unconvincing um, science fiction um, uh, setups. <laughs> that would be my top three. Top three? Yeah, if we were doing a top because we usually do a top three afterwards. <laughs> that would be the spin-off on this one. Most, unsuccess- most unconvincing uh, sci-fi setups. <laughs> what is the most unconvincing? Well, Looper's one of them. <laughs> I, quite, I like Looper. Well, it's a question of... Liking it or not, it's the uh, being convinced. <laughs> That's true. We could just do unconvincing films in general. <laughs> what, what, like face we're, off. We're gonna, what we're going to go back to the um, Romeo and Juliet with Doug Booth and Hayley. <laughs> Sparager again. <laughs> what is the age gap here between Cruise and Blonde? God, 25 at least. You think? 20, 20, isn't he 50 plus? I think he's fi- at least 50. What's she, like 30? Emily Blunt's probably, th- Emily Blunt's probably about 30. Um, the 20, yeah. Hmm. She is 31 this year. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is probably 50. Bang on, I would have said. Come on, not responding. Firefox, you piece of crap. <laughs> Stop <laughs> script, but it's I. I, don't, I think they're quite well matched. Actually, I don't think it's offensively bad, but it's not like you. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is fifty-two next month. Mm. 
Okay. All right. So Shang Mariko. Mm. I can't believe you said what what good choices he's been making recently when he did Rock of Ages. <laughs> I didn't see that. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> Singing I Want to Know What Love Is into Marlon Alkerman's backside. <laughs> yeah. God. The less said about that, the better, I think. Well, apparently I can't mention it enough. <laughs> Shag Marry Kill. Oh, God. Okay. I am going to mm. marry The Edge of Tomorrow. Mm. The reason being... I think there'd be more to get from it than any of the other films I've seen this week because there's probably little things that I missed. Um, I would shag Iloilo and I would kill two lives. I would shag gold. Well, I wouldn't kill two lives, let's put it that way, because I'm not going to kill Liv Ullman's Return to the Screen. Okay. So I'm going to kill... Elo, Elo, I'm going to shag Angelina, I'm going to marry Tom. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, um, the Olsen Factor, the debut. Oh, God. <laughs> the Olsen Factor. Yeah, if anyone's listening for the first time, for the last like year plus, I, I've been uh, using uh, Emma Watson in Perks uh, Being Warflower as the benchmark of uh, how good looking people are this week. Uh, yes. Cal's had enough of the, me, me just, the besmirchment of Hermione. That, there's the title. The besmirchment yes, of Hermione. Yes. <laughs> Cal's had just had enough of it, and so he, want, he wants me to um, uh, pick a better, uh, a higher standard. Uh, so we've gone with Elizabeth Olsen because there was a couple of her films last week, or the week before last. Yeah. Um, so Elo, Elo is just full of no. <laughs> so no, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Maleficent, uh, Angelina is the biggest walking Seydou ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from being way too young, uh, Elle Fanning is just basically a prettier version of Kerry Mulligan, so that's just an always no. Um, two lives, uh, the, the daughter's no, Julianne's no, lives a no. Edge of Tomorrow, Emily Blunt would never be a yes under any circumstance. Um, and is there any other women in the film? Not really. So it is the an extraordinarily easing in from uh, Miss Olsen. Almost said Watson there. One one. Olsen. I don't think easing easing in's a bit of a. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh God! No, shut up. Here. <laughs> carry on. Just carry on. The Isaac Range. Um. Oscar Isaac in which film is your benchmark? Um, the benchmark is the two faces of January. Yeah. So Elo Elo, mm. um, there's one guy in that, and it's a no. Yeah. Um, the dad. Two, yeah, two lives. Quickly getting up the husband here. He had facial hair. <laughs> he did, didn't he? I, I think I don't that. think he's gonna be a yes though. What about the lawyer? That's that's the question I'd ask. No, the lawyer's a no. Mm. Lawyer, definitely a no. Ah. I'll come back to the husband. <laughs> um, Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise is a no. Mm. And um, Bill Paxton's a no. <laughs> any of the assorted... Say Duke and Bill Paxton, no. Any of the assorted... It's not, 
any of these sorted soldiers uh, prompt a Google image search? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was too busy trying to get my head around the bloody plot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the husband, okay, I've just looked him up mm. and it's a no. Mm. So it, it's a 1.0 for uh, Oscar. We've set it too high. <laughs> It's just been it's, a like, it's like it's like it's like a symbiote in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we have a website. We do. It, it's moviepodcast.com. It is. You can see our June schedule. You can. I will put it up. You will. Um, I will. I'd be so uh, annoying, yeah. <laughs> Total uh, noise. <laughs> Twitter. Twitter uh, at Move the Podcast, Facebook in the Move the Podcast. Mm. We're on iTunes, we're on Feedburner, we're on Stitcher, etc. Submit a question on anything. It doesn't have to be anything this week. It can be on anything. It can, it it be, can on... be on Flat versus House for for me. <laughs> if you want to put everyone to sleep, yes. <laughs> it could be on Max of Fools films. It could be on. Um, the many wonders of Emmanuel Bayard, Emily Sander. It can be anything. just. So you can tell questions. I'm looking at Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, who Paula Patton's going to date next? Dolls. It just could be anything. Yeah. All right. Uh, the compilation episode is being edited. It will be probably not out. by me. Not. By- <laughs> It'll probably be out after the next episode, midweek, mm. or at the weekend after the next episode, something like that. I have three words to say to that. Cool what? story, bro. Next week... Cat <laughs> wants to kill me now. <laughs> Think I'm sliding over this, you bastard. Exactly. <laughs> <Three> hours. <laughs> um, okay, next week we have Grace of Monaco... Oh my god, seriously. Um, yeah. 22 Jump Street. Right. Are we going to do Venus and Fur? Uh, yeah, if it is online and has subs, then yes. Okay. Um, there's a horror film online called The Sacrament. Jesus Christ, is this what is that what that Shailene film's about? A moving, witty, life-affirming story about two teenagers who fall in love at a cancer support group. Yeah. Dear God. Well, you know, she's picking... I think she's picking interesting things, what, our Shirlene. What, what, following in the footsteps of Dakota Fanning? <laughs> Come on, she's already got a better career so, than so Dakota Daco- So Dakota's done the cancer film. Mia Rasikovska's done the cancer film. Is that what young actresses think is a challenge? Like, let, let's, just, let's just cut the hair off and die. <sighs> oh, my God. An original plotline woman. <laughs>